This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. You know, we began this teaching like from months down the road about avoiding distractions and we hit many different areas and we're going to go and you know I'm not going to I'm going to try not to review too much because and you know you you do have to go back and do review because you're not you don't want to leave nobody out of what's going on but I started thinking you know there's two weeks of the message has been on there for two or the last two Wednesdays because they went over the review and you know that is that is a important thing that you uh try to grasp what is being said so that you can follow but I guarantee you that Hearing Pastor's message, Pastor Hill's message on uh, on the Holy Spirit, and you say, you know, you know, all the things that I'm talking about, about, I'm talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost, and God has a work that He wants to do. Well, of course, we understand about the work that He wants to do in us, but we got to understand that we have to be a wall with the work that He's doing through us. Not just we can't stop. Commitment to the faith has to do with. That which we need to be involved with to become who he wants us to be. It's not the... See, all this thing about... When I'm going to read uh, the things that we talked about last week about being a witness. That is the fruit of being committed to the faith. That's not, that's not the... That's not the... How could I say? Even though that's the goal, that's not... Because if you think about it, uh, witness, being a witness is much more... Then performing acts of, of, of how could I say, you can operate like for example in the book of First Second uh, First Second No First Corinthians I believe chapter thirteen, and uh, hopefully I didn't get that wrong where it starts talking about love and what is love, but he says you can do all these things. He said and if you lack love you have nothing. He said you can you can work miracles you can do this you can uh, uh, perform all these good deeds. He said but if you lack this you are nothing. He said, you're nothing. Before the eyes of God, think about it. I think that's the reason that God should tell those people in the book of, in the, in the gospel where he said, many shall come in that day and say, Lord, in your name we did this. And in your name we did. I believe those were religious people involved in the church. They, they're able to think about it. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Some people can operate in those things and have the wrong heart. But God, because He loves you, He allows them to operate in those things because you are going to get ministered to. You, it's amazing. Have you ever thought, how can that brother speak the way he sent and have the lifestyle that he has? Because it's, it's interesting because the gospel doesn't change. You could have heard the gospel and you received it with, um, with open arms and God is like, she heard the gospel. He heard the gospel. He responded, Behold, I'm going to pour out my power on their life and they're going to receive it. But see, it's interesting how, how in this world we, we marvel about those things. Just like when Peter and, and the man with the layman just marvel at people that are doing these things, not realizing that God has a work that He needs to do in you to prepare you for the work that He wants to do through you. But so many people, they stop at the work that God wants to do, that God is doing in them, and they become complacent. I don't want any... I, I'm fine. Why, why are you messing with me? Because I'm going to tell you something. When we talk about the Holy Ghost and being filled with the Holy Spirit, He's going to mess your world up. He is going to mess... He's not going to just come in and just organize you. He's going to come over and organize and change some stuff. 
He's going to change some stuff. And then you're going to realize... Because I start thinking about the call of God now. The call of God because of the power of the hope. Because of the teaching of the Word of God. And because of the, 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 the heart desire. The call of God is different for me now. You know, before I would struggle. And Pastor would even tell me, why do you struggle so much with the call? Why do you struggle so much? And you would say, Pastor, I'm talking about our founding pastor. He said, you, you struggle with the call. He, and, and he would tell me, why am I struggling? But that struggle had to do with right here. But I didn't realize what... And, and, and you start thinking, you see everything that God is doing in you. And, you said, and that's why I tell you, that is not... You know, I, I'm, there's some goodness about me that I'm great. or that, how, do you, how are you such a loving person? That is not who you are. Believe me, we can be some mean people. All of us can be selfish. All of us have selfishness in us. But what makes the difference in our life is the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't love until you have the Holy Ghost. I guarantee you, you are not, you don't know how to love until the Holy Spirit gets into you and organizes you. Until you're filled with the Spirit and you start walking in it. You're going to see now that God... Through the scriptures, he's going to show us what love, and he doesn't just tell us what love is, he shows us what love is. And he says, this is, the, this is the commitment that we must have to the faith. So, the key to avoiding distractions, I started off, is a true biblical, true biblical commitment to the faith. But the very thing that suffers when we're distracted is our commitment to the faith. And I told you, I could have taken many different avenues in this message or different when I could have avoided with the obvious, the things that distract us, the, the, the natural things, the small foxes, those things I could bring them out. But then I started talking about the things that are not so obvious are the things that, when, how we perceive what the commitment to the faith is. Because if we perceive, our, our perception of the commitment to the faith is wrong, then we're not committed to the faith. Not to the faith. We can do all sorts of works. We can work in the ministry. We can be involved. We can do all sorts of things. But that doesn't mean you're committed to the faith. That just means you want to be involved. And you know, that's the danger sometimes with certain ministries is that they want to put people to get involved immediately. And really, to tell you the truth, is they don't know how to handle being involved. Until the Spirit of God ministers to their life and brings them to a place where they... Because they can hurt people. But the thing is, when, you, when, when the love of God is shed abroad in your heart and you start being taught and you start allowing the Spirit of God to deal with you, you operate differently. It's not, it's not about you all the time. So we must have the right perception of the faith. And uh, my objectives, I want to go straight to the objectives, is to deal mainly with the solution, which is obedience and sacrifice. Obedience and sacrifice it's key to avoiding distractions and coming out of coming avoiding and coming out of distractions. And I'm going to accomplish this by the biblical example of Jonah the prophet. Even though we're going to touch on him, it seems like this message is talking about everything that's commitment first and what must be involved. And then we're going to look at Jonah and see exactly where Jonah missed it and where you can be missing it in the same fashion. So we want to look at Jonah and always remember this. You know, you've heard the statement, obedience is better than sacrifice. I always want you to remember this, though. True obedience will always involve sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice, but obedience will always involve sacrifice. You cannot have obedience if you don't have sacrifice in your life. But sacrifice without obedience is legalism and hypocrisy. That's what you get out of it. 
So when you add these up, you start saying, okay, obedience and sacrifice is that which is pleasing to God. Obedience and sacrifice is that which is pleasing to Him. Sacrifice without being obedient, that's being involved. Sacrifice is being involved. I give, think about it, I give to the assessment, I give in pastor's compensation, I give, I'm involved, I'm involved, but there's no obedience, then your sacrifice, obedience, is actually legalism and hypocrisy. And God doesn't accept it. Now, the church benefits from our giving, and I'm involving myself, I'm involving everybody in here. What you need to do is examine, where am I, where am I supposed to be obedient? And obedient at this time is being filled with the Holy Ghost. That is obedience at this time. Where we're ministering is, what is my desire for that? You know, I want to just tell you, I didn't have, I had a desire because the love of God is, was shed abroad in my heart and it was evident. I had a desire, I want, I want to know Him. And everything that involved knowing Him, I wanted. So when they told me about the Holy Spirit, I'm like, I want that. But the way they, they brought it forth, they wanted to lay their hands on me and speak, speak, speak. They were just telling me, you know, you have the Holy Ghost. When I didn't realize, to begin with, all I had to do was ask. Like Pastor said, and receive. The tongues, that's once again, that's a, that's a manifestation. That's a, one of the, the, the fruits of manifestation, one of the evidence that you have the Holy Ghost. But that's not the Holy Spirit. That's just... One of the things that comes with, and you should operate in it. But you know what? It's interesting. When I receive, I like, I guess I have it because I started just mumbling something. And really, tell you the truth, I was just like, I don't know if I got this or not. But I just went for months and months just praying and asking God. And all of a sudden, it just came forth during worship. It just came forth and I continued to speak it. And I continued to speak it. And the devil told me, but that's you. That's not God. That is you saying those things. That is not God saying it. And he spoke a truth, but deceived me to make me believe that that was a lie. That was, uh, that was wrong. Think about this. He twisted it because it is me speaking. God doesn't speak for you. It's you that opens your mouth. It's you that opens and begins to worship. But when you start speaking in the Holy Spirit, it's the Spirit of God praying through you. Speaking over your life. Bringing understanding to you. It's His work in you. There's was times that I would be at home, and, and I'm, I'm getting a little off, but at home preparing for a message, and I began to pray in the Holy Spirit, and it was like I saw what I was going to preach. I understood what I was going to preach. It came forth. Because that's what the whole... And, and it wasn't my wisdom. It was the Holy Spirit putting in me at the time that I was speaking in tongues. So it has nothing to do with, okay, you, God is going to make you speak. God is not going to make you speak. You're going to begin to speak and the Holy Spirit is going to pray through you. He's going to speak over your life. He's going to give you understanding. That's how He operates. But once you have, I always want you to remember this and I'll leave this alone. Once you ask, once you want it, and I started thinking about this too. Once you ask for, the God, for, for, the, for the Jesus Christ to baptize you, because it is He who baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. Once you ask, you have. Immediately, it is yours. Just like salvation. Immediately, it's yours. You have the Holy Ghost. 
You have to start thanking the Lord for the Holy Spirit. You have to believe and continue thanking because it's going to manifest in some way, form of tongues is going to be one of them. But there's other ways that the Holy Spirit is going to be met. Understanding, wisdom, the, the care for other people. He's going to do certain things in your life. And then you're going to start seeing the operating of the gift of God in your life. Because that's the way He does it. But, you know, I started thinking, the Holy Spirit is for those that want Him. If you're so caught up with what He's doing in you and period, and that's it, the Holy Spirit, even though He's for you, why should He equip you? Why should God equip you with that that He's giving you for someone else, not for you? See, it's interesting that the Holy Spirit is called paracletos, paracletos, which is one called alongside to help you. But He's not helping you just for you. He's helping you for your brother. He's showing you how to help your brother in that minute. The way He helped you, He's doing the same. He doesn't just go, oh, this is my Holy Ghost. He goes, no, I'm the Holy Spirit of the church. Understand, it's so interesting how He baptizes you into the body. It's so interesting how it says, I baptize you into the body. You're baptized into the body for the purpose of the body. You're not baptized into the body for yourself. Because what does the ear say to the, to the nose? And I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the parts of the body. But what if the ear says to the nose, I have no need of you? Or the feet says to the hand, I have no need of you? Don't you all, but isn't one body? So you have need of your brother. But you have no need of your brother if he's not filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what, how can I say? It's not that you don't need them. It's that they can't supply that need. You understand? They can't, not fully. They're, they're surface people. But without the Holy Spirit, you can't supply the need fully of your brother. You can't go the distance for your brother. You still have limitations. You still have things that you'll draw back on. And the Holy Spirit's saying, but I need you to be filled because I need to help that brother. I need to help that sister. See, right now, you're being helped by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit that speaks through the servant of God. That's how you're being helped. That's how you're being ministered to. And it's all because somebody says, I'll give myself to you. I will allow you to do whatever you want in my life. So even when I have to speak or even when I have to love a brother that's unloving, I, it's not me. And that's, and that's where we people, we miss it. We think that it's us having to do a work that's of us. And that's why you say, well, you know, if they give me that attitude, I'm going to give them this attitude. Because it's all about you. It has nothing to do with you allowing the Spirit of God to do a work in you. So, we're going to... That's how we're going to do that. What is commitment to the faith? And I said this. Commitment to the faith is to be sold out to the faith of God through Jesus Christ. And I'm about to finish my review. I'm not going to go through everything. Commitment to the faith is being sold out to God the Father's work of salvation through Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit of God. It is the work that God has done for us in us and through us in our generation and in the generations to come. Always remember that faith requires a witness. Faith without a witness is a lost cause. The faith without a witness. Think about it. Why did Jesus come? And He established 12 apostles and He gave it to them. The gospel would not be anything without a witness. It needs a witness. And that's why He calls you. He called you into the gospel to be a witness. And I told you about two different witnesses. And an eyewitness is a description given by someone present at an event. And an expert witness 
is a person by virtue of education, and I want to repeat these because these, these definitions are important. Expert witness is a person by virtue of education, training, certification, skills, or experience. It's accepted by the judge as an expert. So an eyewitness is a description given by someone present at an event. It's a description given by someone present at an event. And I like what I said last week. Individuals, there are individuals who having observed something take place, they observed something that took place, are able to give an accurate and a full account of what has happened. They, they're just not, they're able to give an accurate and full account of what has happened. That's a, that's a witness. Individuals that haven't observed something take place. And who was at your salvation experience if it wasn't you? So you're an eyewitness of that event. You should be able to give an accurate, a full account of what happened. That's your eyewitness event. Nobody should take And I told you, in the eyewitness event, one of the things that happens is we receive sight. We receive sight just like the, the man, the blind man that I told you about, and he says, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. All I know is that I was blind and now I see. And the first thing that should have happened in your life is that you saw differently. That's the Spirit of God working in you, in you by, this, by, the, by, this, by your salvation experience. He makes you a witness, an eyewitness. Of what, and I tell you, our eyewitness experience is different from the apostles because we have insight into what they saw. They were definitely eyewitness, literally. We're eyewitnesses in a figurative sense but because we are able to see what they saw in a different matter. We're able to understand what they saw and get an understanding. Just like now, well, today we're going to talk about the Good Samaritan. And I truly believe that the Spirit of God gave me insight of what he's talking about. In this, and what God wanted us to see, and what He wanted that lawyer to see, who was being legal in the matter. He said, I'm going to show you. I'm not just going to tell you what love I'm going to show you what love is, and I'm going to show you your part in love. And it's actually, and I believe it's life changing to us. But once again, an eyewitness is a description given by someone present at an event, and an expert witness is a person by virtue of education. I like that. By virtue, by power of education. Training, certification, skills, or experience is accepted by the judge as an expert. So the new birth we talked about gives light. But the witness, and this is the new information, and I did good. I took 20 minutes review. So I'm doing good. So the next 40 minutes, we are going to talk about some new information, and then we're just going to run. So the witness, the other witness that we left off was the witness of God's love and brotherly kindness. And I left you with this. I left you with this and I told you, if we don't know how to love the brothers that we have here, why should God send us anyone to love upon? If we have issues here with one another and we don't know how to properly love each other, you know, could that be a reason that we don't see the growth that we're desiring? And, I'm, and I understand, we don't just deal, it's like I told a sister on Sunday. I told her, I was playing black, and she was a visitor. I said, give us six months, come and hear the Word of God, and if it doesn't change you, don't tell anybody your situation, don't tell anything, anybody what's going on, let God speak to you, and if He doesn't speak to you, get out of here. Because it's not for her. But what I mean, I know God is going to speak to her, but I challenged her, because I don't want her to say anything, I want the Spirit of God to speak to this individual. 
because that's what he's going to do. But let's say that the Spirit of God ministers to them, but they see some nasty attitudes in the members. Or things, you know, and I've told you this in the past, we've heard people say, well, they don't walk in love. And, 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 and you've got to examine both ends of that spectrum. You have to examine it this way. Could there be a truth in that? And then you've got to examine, but where is their love walk? Because you've got to examine both. Because I thought this, and the reason this came about was because when I was, you know, going through a situation with, during, during these last few months, I started seeing different things go about. And I'm like, you know what? And, and I could have easily said, you know, why didn't this take place or why didn't that take place? And then I started thinking, but what are you doing? Who, what are you doing to be what you think somebody else should be for you? So there are other people that are not here. People that have not come back after that. People that were faithful before. And they could have the same view about somebody here. Or oh, why didn't they reach out to me? Or why didn't they come close to me? Why didn't they concern themselves about this? And then I would ask them, is that the reason you're not here? Because the reason that you're not here, you were supposed to see that and understand something and come and draw and do something about it. But they come to the point, if that, and I hope they're listening to, to me, because to tell you the truth, if that's the reason you're not here, you're in the wrong. Because what you think that your brother needed, you should come and be. You should come and be that. You should show them by example. Even if they missed it, Jesus still doesn't give you the right to walk away what He's doing. It didn't give you that right. God doesn't give you that right. He never gave any of the apostles the right to leave because somebody offended them. He told Peter, does this offend you? He goes, what? And he told a lot of people, he goes, you're more, you're more than welcome to leave. And you should be like the Apostle Peter that said, where am I going to go? See, it's easy to say, you know, really I don't need them. I have an understanding. I know what's going You know, I know what God, I can hear God for myself and you can probably hear God. But I would say this, that God was trying to do a work in you even in that. Even in the thing that you think that offended you. God was trying to do a work in you and you went off and left because your brothers and sisters still need you and you need them. And I'm not saying that you cannot go to somewhere else and God can deal with you because Church of the Living Water is not the end all. You understand? We're a part of what God is doing. But God is doing a work other places and He has to deal with you other somewhere in other place. But I guarantee you this, He's going to bring you back to the same thing. He's going to bring you back to someone offending you and what are you going to do about it? And if your habit is to run, you will never be good for anybody. Because all you can tell them is how you ran when somebody offended you. So what we deal with here now is our own hearts. How are we going to deal with people? How are we going to deal with one another in the midst of anything going on? It doesn't matter. How are we going to deal with, with people? And I believe God has a solution. Let's go to First John chapter 3. First John chapter 3. Have you ever told God, Lord, I forgive them, but I don't feel like I forgive them. I don't, it doesn't feel that I forgive them because it's constantly reminding me when I see them, when I talk to them. It's like I can't let it go even though I told you I forgave them. Because I remember what they did to me. I remember how I felt. 
I remember how they said it. I remember how they didn't pay attention to me. I remember all these things. And you think that you're... Because, and I will tell you this much. A lot of it is because we're doing things out of our own ability. And we don't understand that it's God that wants to work in you. And what you need to say is, God, how do I do this? How do I forgive them? Have you ever tell God, show me how to love my brother? Show me how to love my pastor? Oh, God forbid, you don't say those things, right? But you, you, those are the things. See, God, you need to love your pastor the way God shows you how to love your pastor. Because your pastor is going to rub you the wrong way. That's a guarantee. She's going to rub you the wrong way. He, you know, any pastor, when, after this season is over and Isaac Hill, Minister Isaac Hill gets up here to be pastor, he's going to rub you the wrong way. I will rub you the wrong way. Your brothers and sisters will rub you the wrong way. And you don't understand that it's the work of God in the rubbing the wrong way. You can take it two ways. You can run from it or you can learn what God wants you to do and be in that. Because God, He doesn't allow you to, once again, He's not allowing you to run from those struggles, from those oppositions. Nothing. That, have you ever noticed, and I noticed this, God would always put me with just bosses that just got on my nerves. That, that pushed me in ways that I did not want. That would want me to do things. This is the thing. They wanted me to do things that were not of integrity. And they always would put, I was like, God, why do you always put me with these bosses that expect me to do something that is just against what I believe? And I just had to stand. There was times I missed it, but I had to continue standing. And it came to a point where, uh, you know, uh, the, my own boss, my own, uh, the, the head, he goes, if I can't trust you, I can't trust anybody. And then he would say, they would, the other members would say, you know Ricky's not going to lie. So you know, it's, it's, it's things like that they would say because I had to stand in times when they wanted me to lie. When they wanted me to be dishonest. I had to stand in those times. But I would always ask God, why do you put me with people like this? You know, and, and, I, you know, and I didn't want to deal with it. Sometimes I did not want to deal with it. I would go home and struggle because I did not want to do not what, what I needed to do. But I also wanted to please God. So I continued and I continued until I learned how to stand. But I didn't run from that. I didn't stop working there because he was one. I'm just going to quit. You know, that's the easy, that's that's exactly what we do with our brothers. I'm just going to quit on him, or I'm going to quit on her, because every time I'm around these people, I get challenged, and God is saying, "That's me. That's exactly what I'm doing in you." I knew. Think about this. When you said that you were going to be a part of this ministry, God knew every individual that you would encounter here. He knew everything they would say to you. He knew your good days. He knew your bad days. He knew the things that you would struggle with. He knew the things that you would struggle with your founding pastor. He knew the things that you would struggle with your current pastor. He knew every single thing. And you still said, God called me there. And then, until God moves you, until God finishes a work, you're not required to move. You're required to stand in every work that God is going to work in through your life. So, in First John chapter, let's get there because I'm just going and ranting about other things. So, First John, First John chapter three, and you know that I'm not there because I start talking too much. First John chapter three. 
when we're there, I know I will say amen because I know you're already there. First John chapter 3, verse 7. Let's read it. We're going to read a lot today. So buckle your seatbelts because we're going to read. It says, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin, because he is born of God. He doesn't practice sin, because the seed of God is in him. In this, I like this, verse 10, very important. In this, the children of God are manifested and the children of the devil. So it's saying, I'm going to show you a child of God and I'm going to show you a child of the devil. In this, the children of God are manifested and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. So when we do not righteous works, he's saying, and I'm talking about a, a, a lifestyle of righteousness, that person is not of God. And then he says, neither is he that loveth not his brother. He said, you're not of God because you don't love your brother. It says, for this is the message. Not only did he tell, see, this is the way Jesus is. He tells us the situation. Then he explains what, what, he's, what, he's, wants, what he wants to say. And that's, and that's exactly what you're going to see in everything that we read today. How God shows, tells us something and he says, let me show you. Let me show you what I'm talking about. So he goes, for this, for this is the message that we have heard from the beginning. That we should love one another. And then he says, not as Cain, who's, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know, this is the witness, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brother. That is the witness of the believer, the love they have for their brother. And he said, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. It's impossible for us to mistreat our brother on a continual basis and say that the love of God abides in us. Because that's a lie. He's saying, he said, this is manifestation of the children of God and those that are of the devil. So we have to, we have to question our lives of how are we walking with God. And this is verse 15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. But whosoever hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth he the love of God in him? My little children, love not in word, but indeed in the truth. I like how he mentions Cain. Do you remember the, 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 the statement that God gave to Cain when he came to him after he slew his brother? He says, Cain, where is your brother? And then he says, am I my brother's keeper? It's interesting how that's so powerful. And God will tell you today, where is your brother? And let me explain it to you when I say, where, where is your brother lot in his spiritual walk? Where is your brother at in his struggles? Where is your brother at in the things that are causing him not to go forward? His disadvantages, his poverty in the ways, and I'm talking about a, a poverty where he's lacking and, not, and doesn't have at his disposal what he needs. Where is your brother? And God says, he asks us the same question. 
and we should know where our brother is at. And I'm not talking about everyone. I'm talking about those that are in your circle of love. Where are they at? And it's not just a matter of us knowing because if we're in, in tune with God, we should know when something is not right. But a lot of times, we come to the point where we're the same way. Am, am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? You know, and, and, and the thing about it, we know that we're our brother's keeper, but you question yourself. Am I, and I'm going to ask you to ask yourself, are you really your brother's keeper? Because God expects us to be our brother's keeper. He said, in this the children of God are manifested, in this the children of the devil. He that doeth not righteousness is not of God, and neither is he that loveth not his brother. And then he tells us how to love our brother. See, it makes reference in verse 7, and we're going to read that. Verse 7 it says, But whosoever hath this world's good, I like what he said, this world's good. That which he needs from day to day. Do you know that we have the goods of this world? We have what this world needs. We have what our brothers need. We have it within ourselves. We have everything that this congregation needs. We have it within ourselves to give it to them. And, not, and don't go immediately to financially. Because that's not what I'm talking about. Do you understand? I'm not talking. And, and those things will arise. But you have a word for your brother. Do you know that the scripture says you called yourself servants of God? And in Isaiah chapter 50, it says, Morning by morning do I awaken the ear of my servant to hear as the learn. That he may have a word in season to speak to him that is weary. And you think that that's just for a minister. But you don't understand that God has called us all now to be servants. And that is your, you should have, and I told you, you should have a word for your brother. You should have something to encourage your brother. I told you last week that love, and let me explain it, because you do give, you know, it's your giving, but you've got to understand that that's not something that it's yours to give or not to give. Love is that which you owe. You owe it to him because of God in you. God is like, I want to love my brother. I want to love them, but I have to love them through you. It's just like when we received the gospel. We had to receive it from a man. The love of God was poured out through the message and we received it. But we had to receive it from the man. God doesn't do anything without you. He does nothing without you. He does everything with you. So it makes reference, verse 7 makes reference to Deuteronomy 7. Let's go to Deuteronomy 7. And the time is going pretty fast. So we're going to Deuteronomy 7. And we're going to talk about forgiveness. And we're going to talk about how we're supposed to disperse in our life. How we're supposed to take care of our brother. I want you to think about these things because we're going to get into them now. Verse, verse 1, let's read a few scriptures again. At the end of every seven years, I hear some pages. Deuteronomy chapter 15, starting at verse 1. I'm sorry. Deuteronomy chapter 15. First uh, John 3 and 7 makes reference to Deuteronomy 15 is what I meant. So Deuteronomy 15. At the end of every seven years. Are we all there? Thou shalt make a release. I like that. It says thou shalt make a release. And this is the manner of the release. So God is commanding us to make a release... And then he shows us how to release. 
Once again, he's telling us what to do and he's going, I'm going to show you how to do it. He said, every year, at the end of every seven years thou shalt make a release and this is the manner of the release. Every creditor that lendeth aught against it unto his neighbor shall release it. He shall not exact it of his neighbor or of his brother because it is called the Lord's release. So, he's commanded us to give a release, to release something. He said, I'm going to show you the manner of a release but I always want you to remember that it's my release. It's my release. Think about it. It's God in you releasing because He wants to love on your brother. See, and see that's what you've got to understand. It's not you. It's not your goodness. You don't have it in you to forgive your brother the way you're supposed to without the love of God shed abroad in your heart. It is He that does the work. You just make yourself willing and then He cares less about how you feel. He doesn't care that you still remember that. He said, that's a lying vanity. Cast it down. Bring it captive. Because I'm going to allow, you're going to allow me to love that brother through you. You're going to allow me to release. You're going to release some things and it's going to be me releasing it into their lives. So that they can see that is the love of God. It is not that brother. That is the love of God. So he says again, this is the Lord to release. Of a foreigner, verse 3, Thou mayest exact it again, but that which is thine with thy brother, thy brother thine shall, thine hand shall release it. So he's saying, your hand's going to release it. I like that. Save when there, he's saying, so when there is no, save when there shall be no poor among you, for the Lord shall greatly bless thee in the land, which the Lord God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it. Only if thou carefully hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all these commandments which I command thee this day. For the Lord thy God blesses thee as he promised thee. And thou shalt lend into many nations, but thou shalt not borrow. And thou shalt reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over you. Verse 7. If there be among you a poor man of one of thy brethren within any of thy gates. I like that. Brother within you, among you. Think about it. He makes this a congregational responsibility. He doesn't say this is an individual responsibility. He makes it a congregational responsibility. He said, if there's any poor among you, let me read that again. If there's any among you a poor man of one of thy brethren within any of thy gates in the land which the Lord God giveth thee, thou shalt not harden thine heart nor shut thine hand from thy poor brother, but thou shalt open thine hand wide unto him and shall surely lend him sufficient for his need, and that which he wanted. Beware that, he, that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release, is at hand, and thine eye be evil against thy poor brother, and thou givest him not, and he cry unto the Lord against thee, and it be sin unto thee. So he, this person understands, just as you can understand, that the seventh year is coming where he's going to have to release. But he has given something to his brother, and he is expecting something back from his brother. And God is saying, you have to release it, so, so that he will not have to release it when his brother has need. He said, I'm just going to leave that brother alone. I'm going to avoid that brother. Because I don't want to have to forgive that brother. Because he's hurt me in the past. So I want no dealings with that brother. And there's ways to deal with hurts and, and things. But it doesn't talk about avoiding them at all costs. It doesn't, it doesn't relate to avoiding people at all costs. And I'm not talking, because I'm talking about people here. People here. You cannot avoid people here. 
It's impossible to avoid people here. And I'm not, and, you're, and, and think about it. We're, when we talk about, our pastor talks about flicking them off. There's ways to do that. God doesn't require you to be rude to somebody. There's ways to do what you have to do to make sure that you're praying for somebody. Make sure, you, and because and, God did with me a, a lot when I, in the beginning of this ministry with certain people that would do certain things and say certain things, and I knew they, I knew they meant it towards me. I knew it. And even Pastor one time says, "Ricky, don't worry about that," because he heard it himself. But what what could I do? Could I have envy and strife against that brother? No, I had to bless that brother despite of what I felt that I was justified to tell him. Because it's easy. And that, that, these brothers are no longer here. What if, what if I would have allowed myself to be offended for brothers that have left this ministry years ago? Years ago. But I had to learn what I had to do in that. I, even though I didn't understand it, there was a release there. And my release came through prayer. Through lifting them up. Even when I thought, man, I just don't feel like love. I don't feel a love for them. So, he says, you release it because it's me. It's my release. I'm doing the release. I don't care how you feel. Because God doesn't care how you feel about your brother. He still says, where is your brother? Where is that? See, it's so interesting that he's going to say, where is the brother that offended you? Where is he at with me? Do you know? Oh, no, really, I don't care. As long as he stays out of my way, because I don't want him to hinder my walk with God. And God has said, he is your walk. You understand? He is your walk with God. That is, God doesn't remove those things. He is your walk with God. I'm trying to get you to a place where you're strong enough to stand against anything that will come against you and you don't run. You understand? You don't, because God is like, as long as you're hearing God, as long as you're understanding that the Spirit of God is still ministering to you, that's just something you have to work out. You have to work out between you and God and say, God, I know that you not, I know that you want me to love Him. I understand. And they said, and I want to do it through you. So let me allow, allow me to work in you. So this release, it's so interesting. And I am not going to finish, but that's all right. I'm going to finish today. But I'm, you know, we just, this is going to carry on to some other time. But you know, it's interesting that the release, it's the word, and I want you to write it down, semitize, S-E-M-I-T-T-A-H. And in verse 2, it uses again, and it uses shamat, S-H-A-M-A-T. So S, the first one is S-E-M-I-T-T-A-H, and the second one is S-H-A-M-A-T. And both, one of them means a letting drop, and let it drop. Do you remember where we talked about forgiveness? Let it go. Let it be. Consider it gone. Is it let it drop? But you know, the focus in the scripture, it talks about canceling debts, remitting of a debt. But it's the act of restraint to exact the amount that is owed to you. It's focusing not on the debt or what they did to you or how much they owe you. It is focusing on the act of restraint not to exact the amount that is owed to you. Not to take it by force. I can't take it. So, have you ever noticed that you want forgiveness from somebody and you're going to make them suffer to give you forgiveness? So, so that they, you, that's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm going to show them that I got the upper hand. 
And, and what you're doing is you're trying to exact an amount. You want them to ask you to forgive me. And they don't have to ask you to forgive them. For you to forgive them. See, see that's the part. He's focusing on, no, I told you to release. And I'm going to show you how to release. You don't exact. Restraint is holding back. Controlling. Checking yourself. And saying, I'm going to restrain myself. And I have to do that on a continual basis when the enemy throws that thought into my life. Father, I bless them. I ask you to strengthen them. I ask you to fill them with your spirit. Strengthen them with might by your spirit in their inner man. I want them to walk in your truth. I want, see, God is like, you know, regardless of what the enemy's throwing at your life, you have to restrain yourself from trying to get someone to ask you to forgive them. Because they may not ever ask you to forgive them. Do you understand? They may never ask, but it doesn't mean that you can't release. And then it goes on to say, if your brother, and I love that, and we're going to go there and I'm just going to run to this place now. I want you to go to Luke chapter 10. We're going to go from Luke 10 to to end it all with, with, uh, with the book of Jonah. And I told you probably we weren't going to spend, even though I wanted to spend a lot of time in Jonah, we're not going to do that, but I am going to give you the gist of it. So, in the book of Deuteronomy, he says, if you see a brother, a poor man among you, among your brethren, he says, among your brethren, within any of thy gates, he said, I need you to open your hand wide to him. Not just release it. That means everything at my disposal belongs to you. And I'm not talking, once again, you've got to get out of finances. and I'm talking about everything that God has deposited in you. It's for your brother. You have to get out of your insecurities because you have something for your brother. You have something. Like when we look at the next gen, you've got to realize you have something. But, but if you notice this, notice this. And I'm going to touch on Jonah. Just The beginning first few verses of Jonah, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh. And, and, he, and, and the Bible says, And Jonah rose up and he fled to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord. And he got on a boat. And he went to his brothers. From the presence of the Lord. See, he didn't, he was, see, you got to understand about the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord. And I go back to the, the book of 1 Kings. When, when Solomon was setting up the temple. And he said, when your people are going through things. When they look to your temple. That was the presence of the Lord. Everywhere the presence of God was. There is salvation. There is peace. There is healing. There is God's purpose. So when he's looking towards the temple back in their days, they were looking towards the purpose of God. So anywhere you see the presence of God, Jonah was running from God's purpose and what God wanted to do. And I mean, not from the call. He did not want to do that. Think about it. I was told, I was reading a commentary and you think about it. Jonah, Jonah had a conversation here that you don't realize until chapter 4. He said, didn't I tell you you were going to do that? That's why I fled. Because you did exactly what I taught you, told you that you were going to do. So when I told you the book of Jonah was a debate between God and his servant, that's exactly what he did. Jonah, God told him to do something. Jonah did something. God sent the big fish. Jonah did something after that. And it's amazing. And I told you this is where selfishness comes in. Because Jonah saw himself in trouble. And in verse chapter 2, he knew how to pray. That was one powerful prayer. 
And he says, I will pay that which I have vowed to you. Salvation belongs to you. And God said, I'll, spit, I'll cause that fish to spit him out of his mouth. And he went back and did, now arise and go and do what I told you to do. But Jonah did not have a change of heart. Because when God didn't do what he wanted him to do, because he went and did it. And these people were saved. These people were delivered. And he think about it. How many of you, when you go out and witness the word of God... and Tons of people got saved. Are you going to have a bad attitude about it? That's amazing to me that Jonah had. But Jonah was like, one commentary said, it could have been that Jonah knew that he had a call of God, knows that he had a call of God, and knowing that God was going to do that, he was going to seem like a false prophet. But it doesn't matter what people think about you. It's all about, what, is, what, did, what did scriptures in the, Corinthians, the book of Corinthians says? One man plants, Another one waters, but it is God that gives it. Jonah, it wasn't about you. It was about God's people. And see, Jonah ends up, and we're going to read it, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but Jonah ends up at the very end. It's interesting that Jonah, Jonah talks about, at the very end, he said, think about it, he says, Jonah, do you do well to get mad? Doest thou well to be angry? And it's interesting that Jonah went and set up something so he can see what. He didn't answer God. It seems like God, he was thinking God was telling him, Oh, you're doing all right to be angry. He didn't answer God at all. He said, Doest thou well to be angry? He went out there and sat down under some, and God allowed something to be built over him to give him shade and to give him comfort. And he was so pleased with that. He said, But God said, See how God, Jonah did something? God did something. God did, you know, it was back and forth. And all of a sudden, God sends this worm to eat up this thing established to grow over Jonah. And Jonah was ticked off at God. Think about it. He was so caught up with what God was doing for him that he cared less what God was doing through people. Wanted to do through people. And he said, Jonah, you've had pity on this thing. That you didn't cause to grow. You did nothing for it. I did it all. I did all these things for you. He said, then shall not I have pity on Nineveh? Those that cannot discern before, between good and evil from the right hand to the left. He said, and they have much cattle. And it's interesting how it stops there. No response from Jonah. And it's interesting how he said, he doesn't say if Jonah repented. And I believe God, and this is me. God stops her to say, that's for you to decide how you're going to be in ministry. What kind of heart are you going to have? Through all your troubles. I remember I told you God is going to deliver you through all your struggles, through all your problems, through all your troubles. But what kind of heart are you going to come out with on the other end? What kind of, are you going to have a heart of love? Let's go to Luke chapter 10 and we'll end with this. Luke chapter 10. So I'll give you a paraphrase of Jonah. But Luke chapter 10. This is really what I wanted to get to. In Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25. And we have a little bit of a few minutes. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered, said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength. And with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering, A certain man, it's interesting, I told you, God tells us what to do, and he says, I'm going to show you how to do it. 
Jesus answering, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise the Levite, when he was at that place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound him up, pouring oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he had departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him. And whatsoever spendest thou more, when I come, I will repay thee, which now of these thinkest thou, which was neighbor unto him, well, and fell, that fell among thieves. And he said unto him, the one that showed him mercy. And he says, go and do likewise. So it's interesting. I, I, I thought about this Samaritan. And when I went home, God had started showing I am the good. Jesus like, I am the good Samaritan. I'm going to show you what to do when you're dealing with your brother. And I don't care. It's interesting that the Levites and this priest, they were, it was from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a 19 minute drive probably. It's like 19 miles. It's like from here to Georgetown. Or from, from, uh, from Round Rock to, you know, to Gerald. Whatever, 19 miles distance. But it was a road that was known to thieves. Up to this day, it's known to be a dangerous road to travel. And, the, and they said that they, this Jericho was a place where the priests would do their duties. So this very possible that the priest was coming from his religious duties. And the Levite were coming from their religious duties. But when they saw their brother, the Bible says they, they went to the other side and avoided him. And see, that's what we do. And we don't realize when your brother has need and you know it. And all you do is send him a text that you're praying for him. That is avoiding your brother. Whether you like it or not. Because when you call your brother or when you text your brother, how is this doing or how is that doing? And they tell you what he's doing and you didn't respond back. After they told you things were going wrong, you only fulfilled a religious duty. That's all you did. I did my part. This is what I, I'm going to make sure I tell them, how are you, how is this, how is that? And all of a sudden you read about it and you tell them what's going on and you don't get in the mess with them. And even if you don't have the answer and you just go, brother, I just want to pray for you. Can I pray for you? But you, and you have the answer and you don't do it. And you've got to understand Jesus is showing him he spent time with this brother. That to me was a picture of the, the shepherd with the lost sheep. He found the sheep and what did he do? That's Jesus. He found the sheep that was lost. That one sheep. And he left the 99 and went after because one person is important to Jesus. It may not be important to you. You may not miss them among this congregation, but they're still important to Jesus. Do you understand? See, he spent time. He wounded. He bound his wounds. He gave him oil. He actually stayed there. And then all of a sudden he says to the keeper of the ant. He said, I'm going to leave you two pence. Two pence was like two days pay. And it was sufficient for several days of care. It was sufficient for care. And he left it with the innkeeper. And he says, if he spends anything more, put it on my account. I'm going to pay you when I get back. You are that innkeeper. 
You are the innkeeper that God says, I've left you responsible for your brother and I give you sufficient to do what you need to do for him. But when you avoid your brethren, you understand, when there's things going on and you... And, I'm, and, I'm, and you've got to understand this. I saw this in me. When I was going through what I was going through this past few months where I was in and out of the hospital with my mom, I, I received help and it was... Inter- and, I received great help from the ministry care. Great help. And that's a part of Church of the Living Water. And I'm not talking about things that my pastor's conversations that I would have with my pastor. But I want to tell you this much. Other people outside of this ministry called to pray for me. And to me, that's an issue. When I can tell somebody my situation and they don't call. And I, and I got to understand because God was to me, he told me, but what about you? What did you do for the brother that had lost the loved one? What did you do for the sister that was struggling? What did you do to reach out every time Minister Hayson told you to reach out? What did you do? So you don't go back and get offended with that brother and sister because you should treat them no different. But we have to do better. We have to do better with one another. And I'm not talking about things that we don't know are happening in people's lives because all we can do is pray. But sometimes, you know, there are people that are really hurting and they want, you know, it's, it's interesting that all that sometimes people need to know is that you didn't avoid them and you called them and talked to them. That's it. And I'm not talking like once again, we have things established in care ministry. We have things that are going on, but no one told you. They tell you can't get them, you, you can't interrupt in what they're doing, but no one told you that you can't reach out to them beside a text and a lot of times I think that people don't do that yeah of course because we're all caught up in our lives we have things I am busy people ask me all the time you know that there were certain things that I went to the doctor today and they say these are the symptoms of hyperthyroid and it, it was funny because she was telling all these hyperthyroid symptoms that they may be he said and they're very irritable and I said I am very irritable I am very and I talk especially with my family I get irritated irritable with certain things and I have to learn with, with, with those things. But the thing about your brothers and your sisters, that it has nothing to do with going back to the care ministry. It has nothing to do with interrupting something. It has to do with what you're going to do for your brother. And once again, sometimes, especially when somebody loses a brother, sometimes all they need you to know is, hey brother, I'm thinking about you today. How are you doing? You know, what's going on? You know, how can I, you know, is there some, let's get together. Let's hang out. Even if it's outside for coffee during COVID, because, you know, of course, there are certain places that certain people don't go during COVID. And you have to respect that about people. You have to definitely respect that. And, but there's things that we can do. But sometimes we get so caught up. And I told you this. I told you this last week. If the relationships you had before COVID have changed, you have to examine yourself. And I'm talking about and I'm I'm talking about the closeness that you had once before with people in this ministry. And all of a sudden COVID comes up and they don't hear from you in months. That's an issue. Because you should have at least kept those. And I told you this last week, I don't hang with a lot of folks. I don't I never did before COVID. I just I, I was so busy doing what I did. But the thing about it, the Bible says he that hath a friend must show themselves friendly. So this is all about me 
And when I tell you this, this is all about me and what I am going to do to show myself friendly. What people do, I can't control what other people do. I can only tell you that I'm going to try to go out of my way. And will I miss it? Yeah, I will miss it. But somebody will remind me. Do you understand? Somebody will remind me. Different things that I realized. I said, you know what? That could have waited till later. This person, you know, and I, and I know he won't mind, you know. Well, I was having a conversation with Minister Martin the other at the end, at, at the end of service. Tell you the truth, we always, I enjoy speaking to my brother, brother Martin. Enjoy it. Enjoy spending time with him, talking about the word and what's going on. But I thought there was other people there that I could have actually spoke to as it pertained that we're going through something and it just didn't dawn on me until afterwards I'm like you know what that conversation could have waited because it's not that I don't enjoy my brother but you know I spent the, the majority of time talking to my brother do you understand but I need to realize that there are people in this ministry that we may not see and all of a sudden we need to deal with those we need to talk to them we need to share them you know, sit, you know whatever it may be but this is having about talking about having a sincere love for your brother and releasing the things that you need to release and having a wide open hand to say, I'm here at your disposal. I am available. And I think that's where we, we, we have and not just people, and I'm out of time. I understand that we're a busy ministry for certain people. Certain people ministry can be busy. But that doesn't negate the, the fact that you have to be involved with your brother. Just because I prepare a message as a minister, I haven't done everything that I'm supposed to do. Just because I come here and I do what I do and I need to be involved with this, it doesn't mean that there are certain people that I don't need to look to. Do you understand? All of us are in the same boat. You understand? We, and, I, and I can tell you it's easy. You know, I can tell you like last week I had pretty much everything that I needed I could have sat down and said I don't need to study no more but you know I really want to prepare my heart I want to be ready but you know sometimes when somebody calls you have to go out of your way I remember that happened the other day I really wanted to study I wanted to spend time and I realized that I had told somebody I wasn't going to go visit them what do I do? do I call them and tell them no I'm not going to no I'm going to visit them because regardless if I have to study there's still people that especially if they give you an opportunity, you have to be there for people. And some of us do a great job. But this is just to show you, just to give you uh, a little bit where you can examine, how's my heart in ministry? What do I need to do to be my brother's keeper? So let's stand to our feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water in Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.